right, let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the beautiful weather outside and for bringing us back here again safely. Lord, we pray that you would be with us through this day. We know some of us are tired, so we pray for energy and that you would just give us understanding now as we talk about this important subject once again. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we kind of stopped in the middle of a class yesterday. So um, I'm just going to start off where we left off. And remember last time we talked about um, the divine order in music. We had the melody, the harmony, and the rhythm. And we saw how um, God's plan for us in music is that the rhythm would be the least important part of the song. That the rhythm is still important, but that it should have its proper place. And I wanted to start talking now about um, the difference between the popular drums that are played today in most um, types of music and versus some of the percussion instruments that were used in the Bible because that's one of the biggest thing that, things that people will use to argue or defend their beliefs in music is, well, you know, there was percussion in the Bible, so it's okay. Uh, so I want to discuss that a little bit. The, the popular drum set that's used today is called the trap set. You guys know what that's like. You have the different parts on the drum and you have the thing with your little foot and you have the, the cymbals and then you have the drums and yeah, right. So we have all these different parts to the trap set. So we wanna see what the difference is between a trap set and other types of percussion instruments. Um, we saw how dangerous rhythm can be if it is the dominant part of a song, but now we wanna look also how is it played that makes it dangerous for us in, in a lot of the popular music? So um, in most popular music today, as I said, the drum of choice is the trap set, which any drummer will tell you is a very specific and distinct type of drum. It's very different than any other type of percussion instrument that's out there. Um, as I said yesterday, this specific type of drum didn't even exist in the Bible. So we really can't put the two side by side. We have to look at them separately and see what they were like. Um, the trap set and other percussion instruments, as we're gonna, we're gonna read some quotes here in a minute, are actually from two very separate families. So I wanna read a couple of quotes here. Um, this one says, let us put a little difference between the percussionist and the drummer. These two have been sharing the same room for a very long time. They may be cousins, but still keep in mind that they are from two very different families. Um, from Sule Greg Wilson, The Drummer's Path. These are our drummers that have written books about this. The second quote says, there is a difference between drummers and percussionists. A drummer usually plays a drum or drums, whereas a percussionist not only plays drums, but is also skilled in the playing of a wide range of percussion instruments. In a, a classical orchestra, um, you see we have the little triangle and the cymbals and you have all these different things that they play. And last but not least, we have the traps, trap set used to refer to a collection of drums and percussion accessories, including cymbals. So in other words, you have basically three different categories here. You have your drummers, which you have your, your big bass drum and those types, and then you have your percussionists and they play all those different things that I don't know all the names to, but I can recognize them in the orchestra. And then you have the trap set which is basically taking a combination of a lot of those different types of percussion instruments and putting them together in one instrument. So here coming from the mouth of drummers, uh, we see that the trap set is a very unique instrument that was designed to specifically play rock and roll. This is basically why it was designed. Um, and of course, it's various forms. 
This comes from the book um, Drums, Rock, and Worship. You guys have probably heard or, or seen that book. He says, I have never heard of a recording of a modern trap set being used to play anything other than a hybrid of rock or jazz. Even when the trap set is used to accompany an orchestra, the music is no longer associated with the classical type music. Instead, it has been transformed into a rock or jazz hybrid. So what is he saying? Um, you have an orchestra. You have all these different percussion instruments. And have you, have you guys been to a, like a symphony or an orchestra before? So you have these percussion instruments that they may be playing in the song, but it's still very much a classical type piece of music. But I've also been to orchestras where they try and make things a little bit more modern, or they may have one song that's a little bit more modern, and they actually bring a trap set in, and they play this type of drum. Does the song sound the same when they play that instrument? No, it completely changes the sound of the song. And so that right there shows to me that the trap set was designed to play a different type of music, and that was um, rock and roll. So. Um, there is a major difference in the way the drums are played in an orchestra and the drums set in a rock band. And this is interesting to me. You know, it's possible for a percussionist to take all of those different instruments that they play and to actually play a rock or jazz rhythm. It's not very likely that they do that, but it is possible. They could take this instrument and this instrument and they could make something that sounded rocky or jazzy. But have you ever, or have you ever heard someone take a trap set and play in a way that sounds anything different than a rock or a jazz song. Can you hear someone playing a trap set and make it sound classical? You can't do it. It can't be played that way. I mean, you might could just hit one little thing, and you know, but that's not really playing the trap set as a whole. That's playing one part of it. If you were to play the trap set as a whole, just like it's supposed to be played, you can never make it sound like anything other than rock or jazz or these different forms of, of music. So we see that it's different, that it's played in a different way than other percussion instruments are normally played. And this actually leads us to our next point. And that is, how is this trap set played that makes it so dangerous for us to listen to? Um, we've already seen the danger in making the rhythm predominant in a song. But is there a danger in the type of rhythm that's played as well? And you guys have probably heard this before at one time or another. I, I remember the first time I heard someone talk about these time signatures, two, four time. It was so confusing to me. I just wanted to throw it out the window. I said, like, no one can ever understand this. But as I've done more study, it's very fascinating what you find. Um, two, four time signature. I think some of you probably understand this. You have different time signatures in music. You have the four, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Um, my mom's a piano teacher, so she you know, very emphasizes these time signatures. But in rock and jazz music, it's not the 4-4 time that's emphasized, but a 2-4 time. In other words, the emphasis is on the second and the fourth. It's not 1-2. It's not um, the same throughout. It's 1-2-3-4. It's offbeat, right? And, and what's interesting about that, I mean, the first time someone told me that, I thought, so what? Who cares if it's on the 1 and 3 or 2 and 4? What's, what's the big deal about it? But as you do research and you, you look at the science of things and you look at how our body is, how our, our heart works and these different things, every rhythm in our body, everything that goes on in our body is the exact opposite rhythm of this 2-4 time signature. And so what they've found is they've done studies 
is that when we're subjected to this heavy two, four times signature, it actually is, it's like a nervous tension that causes us to stress and to tense up everything in our body. Even if we may not realize it inside, this is what's going on because it's completely unnatural to our, our natural body rhythms. Um, our mind gets really confused, causes us this nervous tension, um, and it just goes against everything natural in our body. You know, this is actually interesting, um, just putting this in real life. I have, uh, actually I have five nephews, but three nephews that belong to the same sister. And they're very, you know, well-behaved, good boys. They've never been exposed to any type of rock music, anything like this. But there are times when they're in a restaurant or something, you know, these songs come on, you can't really do a whole lot about it. And I've actually watched, it's very interesting, as we go into the restaurant, you have these three little boys that are pretty well behaved. We sit down at the table, the song comes on, this heavy rock song with this, you know, emphasis of the two and four, and these kids go absolutely wild. I've never seen anything like it, and my sister would always say, it's the music, I can't help it, what am I supposed to do, you know? And that to me right there was just, it was proof that something is not natural, something is not right here. Um, but what's interesting is that, you know, most people say, well, you know, I don't have anything like that happen to me. I listen to it all the time, and it doesn't affect me like that. So what are you talking about? Um, I think in anything, we need to look at examples of little children or these innocent examples where someone's pure and undefiled, because just with anything, um, music is very much like a drug. We talked about yesterday how it's very emotional, and it can be very addictive. And what they've also found in this heavy two, four time signature is that it's a very addictive type of beat as well. And so after a while, your body becomes immune to it. And well, at least we think it is. On the outside, we're immune to it. And we actually get to the point where we can't do without it. And the more we listen to, the more we have to have. And I heard a very wise person say once that most of the things that we're addicted to are probably not good for us, or at least not necessary. You know, I've never heard anyone say that they're addicted to apples or asparagus, um, but it's always the things, you know, we're addicted to, a, to chocolate or we're addicted to movies, you know, things that aren't necessarily good for us. Um, and, you know, I can say this is true in my own life because when I was listening to all this kind of music um, and I discovered all of this that I'm sharing with you, it was so difficult for me that I, I burst into tears. I went home and I just bald and bald and bald. I just cried like a baby. And I remember thinking to myself, why on earth is this so difficult for me? It's just music. What's the big deal? There's plenty of other music out there. Um, but that's when I realized that I was addicted to not just music, but this specific type of music. You know, I, I don't think that if I, someone said, um, all classical music is of the devil, at least for me, all classical music is of the devil, and, and I was convinced that, by that, that I would be quite as affected by having to get rid of that type of music as I was by having to get rid of my rock and my pop and my, you know, R&B and all these types of music was like this force that was controlling me, and I had to break it off, and, uh, and I did, and you know, another thing too that I realized was when I, I got rid of this type of music that I knew was not good for me, it was hurting my relationship with God, it was really difficult at first, but I had surrendered it to the Lord, so it was okay. Um, but it's amazing, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. don't want to get ahead of myself, but if I ever hear a song that I used to listen to, you guys have probably experienced this. 
you're in a store, you're in a restaurant, you hear a song that you used to listen to and immediately your mind starts to take you back to that place you used to be. And you start to feel all these emotions and it's like, you know, you got, you got to guard your heart, you got to guard your mind and your ears, but it's, if you linger and you listen to it for a long time, you find yourself slowly being drawn back into it. And that is um, proof that this is an addictive force um, for us. I, I want to talk about another effect that this two-force time signature has on us. Um, remember we talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit in the last class. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to move our spirit, right? But the devil wants to move our flesh. If you have your Bibles, or I'm going to turn over to John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. John 3, 6 and 7. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. In other words, the two can't really go together, right? You have flesh and you have spirit. Holy Spirit wants to move, touch our spirit. The devil wants to move our flesh. So the question is, if the music you're listening to is causing your flesh to move, then it is not causing your spirit to move because the two have to be separate. Now, that, that seems like a bold statement, um, but this is what the Bible says. You have flesh and you have spirit, and all through the Bible it says that the two cannot be together. But what type of music causes our flesh to move? As this music that we're talking about, this two-time um, signature with the heavy beat emphasized, definitely causes our flesh to move. And many times we confuse it, and we think that in reality it's causing our spirit to move. Sometimes we listen to this in Christian music, and it does cause an emotional thing within us, and we think it's causing our spirit to move. But the Bible says if it's overly causing your flesh to move, then that's not the spirit, that's the flesh. Um, now there's a difference, and I wanna talk about this a little bit, but when you have babies, they come out and they natu they're naturally born dancers, right? I mean, they hear music and they start bouncing around and they're moving from side to side, and it's really cute to watch, right? Um, but I haven't seen many babies that came out just like break dancing or dancing like a modern type of dance that we have today, right? I mean. When we think of dancing, you know, swaying from side to side or stomping your foot or something like that, that's not the type of dancing that I'm really talking about here. To me, that's it's movement. But what this two-force time signature does, what, is it, what does it do? If you hear it, one, two, three, four, immediately, I, I'm not even listening to music. I'm just listening to the beat, and immediately my neck starts moving. And as the beat gets stronger and stronger, it causes everything else to move, and it's an unnatural movement. This is not something you would do walking down the street if you were a normal person. But you turn on the beat or you turn on the music, and all of a sudden these weird movements come out of us that it just seem completely unnatural. And, and this is what the Bible is talking about. If it's causing your flesh to move in a way that is not natural to us, then this is not of the Spirit. This is what the devil wants us to get confused about. Um, so some of you may be thinking now exactly what I was thinking at one time. How on earth am I going to be able to distinguish between 2-4 and 3-4 and 6-4 and 8-4? I don't know all the time signatures, but um, I was so confused the first time I heard this. It's impossible, you know. And I remember Wes and I would have these conversations after we'd hear someone talk. And 
Like they're, they're crazy thinking people can figure this out on their own. They, you know, not everyone's a musician. I'm a musician. I can't even figure it out. Um, but it's, it was very interesting because even though it's over, it can be overwhelming at first to think about this, when I realized this principle in light of the other things that we've talked about in the previous classes, and we, you know, we talked about the rhythm not being a dominant part of the song, and I understand more about certain timings moving our flesh, and I really had an open and a prayerful heart about it, it actually be started to become more simple to distinguish the difference. And actually, at the end of the class, I'm going to take some time to just share some small samples with you. Now, I'm not going to play whole songs or anything, but small samples to really just be able to listen and to distinguish. And I think many times we, we kind of use it as an excuse, saying, well, it's impossible, so I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to listen to whatever I want to. But in reality, I think if we have an open heart, and we remember the principles that I've shared here, that the Lord will show us and he will reveal to us what is healthy for us and what is unhealthy. You know, it's not, about, it's not a, a list of do's and don'ts. I have to listen to this. I can't listen to this. It's a matter of God has something perfect for us. God has beautiful music for us. And the devil has his counterfeit, just like with everything else. And even though it may seem harmless to us, because it's the devil's counterfeit and it was not God's original plan, it is harming us and it is hurting our relationship with God. And it wasn't until I broke all this off and really stepped away from it that I realized that. Um, and, and I'm going to spend some more time in a bit talking about that. But we've also seen that music, as we've talked about, has a, a strong emotional effect on us. And I want to read a quote to you from Selected Messages, page 36 to 38. She says, the things you have described the Lord has shown me would take place just before the close of probation. Every uncouth thing will be demonstrated. There will be shouting with drums, music, and dancing. The senses of rational beings will become so confused that they cannot be trusted to make right decisions. And this will be called the moving of the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I, I read this quote, I was, whoa. This sounds like some of our churches, you know? And this is, what, um, this is what she was saying, what happened right before the close of probation. What context do you think she's talking about here? Who do you think she's talking to? When you look at the context, she's actually talking to the Seventh-day Adventist church. This isn't some mega church, non-denominational church out there. She's talking about us. And... It's very interesting because, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys deal with this here in Montana or Idaho or wherever you're from, but I know in California we sure do. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because, you know, you can have people that are really legalistic about things and they think that you can only listen to hymns and these different things. But, but what she's saying is that there would be shouting, dancing, drums, all of these things in church, and people think that they're being led by the Spirit but in reality, their minds are so confused, their emotions are so confused by this overpowering music that's, being taken, uh, that's taking place that they're actually being moved by a different spirit altogether and they don't even realize it. And that's what's so dangerous about music. Um, you know, we've, we've become so confused by the devil's lies that sometimes we think that the loud drum beat that takes place in the music we listen to within Christian music um, sometimes we think that it's actually moving our hearts towards God. I mean, I've been in some of these mega churches or even some um, of our own churches where they're playing this loud, heavy you know, music and they're giving these appeals and people are running to the altars. And we think, 
wow, you know, God is really here. Something's happening. But in reality, their emotions are taking over and they're being led by something else. And I'm actually going to share some quotes with you later on. Um, statistics of those decisions that people make and what happens later on. Um, you know, we're trying to many times worship God with our emotions without using our brains. And God gave us a brain for a reason. Um, he wants us to be rational beings who follow him out of a decided choice, not a choice based strictly on emotions or what we think or feel is right at the time. Um, you know, God also cares how we worship, not just that we worship, right? Remember the story of Cain and Abel? Um, Cain thought he was doing a good thing, didn't he? He said, I've made all these fruits and vegetables. I've grown them. I've worked so hard. They're so beautiful. And I'm going you know, to bring them to God, and he's going to be happy by the sacrifice. Was he happy by the sacrifice? No. And it wasn't because he didn't like what Cain had done. There was nothing wrong with the beautiful fruits and vegetables that he had grown. The problem was is that God had told Cain, there's a certain way that I want you to worship. There's a certain way because through the sacrifice of the lamb, it represented something greater, right? And Cain, he may have been sincere, but he completely ignored the commands of God. And in doing so, he completely rejected God. And, you know, we've talked about how music is a reflection of the character of God, of who he is. And if God says, this is the type of music that reflects who I am, and especially in our worship, we're listening to something opposite of that, then in reality, we're throwing it back in the face of God and we're saying, you tell me you're this way, but I'm, I'm going to listen to this. And in doing that, we're actually changing the character of God in our own minds and who he is. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, I'm going to move on now to another point, and that is why are drums such an, a vital issue? Um, get to that in a minute. But why does it even matter? You know, because so many people say, well, this is, this is a small issue. It's not a big deal. Why, why even talk about this? You know, we're splitting churches over this issue, and, and we need to just all be happy and, and um, not even talk about this. But I want to just summarize some of the things that we've talked about to show why these are such a vital issue. Um, first of all, we saw that the devil has completely flipped the order around, right? We saw the divine order that God had for music, melody, harmony, rhythm. The devil said, I have my counterfeit. I'm going to change things, and he's flipped it around. And also we've seen, as we just talked about, that music is a powerful and emotional tool. It can change our mood, the way we think. Um, it can even change the way that we act. You know, in Africa, in different places like this, a lot of times they use this heavy drum beat, um, these certain types of music to actually call out the spirits or the demons. It's a way of awakening them and to bring them out. And, you know, I've heard many stories where some of those people who have come out of that religion, it is a religion, and they've come out of that religion into Christianity, and they've gone into some of our churches and they've heard the exact same type of beat that's being played, and it terrifies them. And they think, why on earth is this, you know, why are they calling the spirits? In our, in our churches. And, um, but it's true. We, we don't even know it. We're being deceived by the devil um, using his type of music to try and worship God. You know, the music um, takes over our minds. It allows sometimes evil spirits to come in. We talked about in our first class how God wants to use heavenly music to drive away those evil spirits. But by listening to the wrong type of music, we can actually do the opposite and we can invite those evil spirits in as well. Um, you hear many stories of, of young teenage men and, and women who get heavily involved in you know, heavy metal and rock and these types of music, and 
actually deal with um, possession and, and spiritual things happening in their homes. And it's scary stuff. This is real. It's not just stories that we read about. But this is one of the ways that the devil is working. Um, we see also in the book of Daniel, you know, remember King Nebuchadnezzar, what did he use to get those people to bow down? He used music. And because he knew that music was powerful, it was emotional, and it could get people to do things that they would normally other, not, otherwise not normally do. Um, and, and so we have to be really careful about this. You know, Ivor Myers gives a, an example that I thought was a little humorous, but very true. Um, it says, that if you're walking out on the street, ladies, if you're out there walking and a guy comes up to you and he starts, like, hugging you and touching you and you don't know this guy, what are you going to do? <laughs> you probably smack him and run away, you know, say some not-so-nice things, right? And I, it just about any woman would say that. But what happens when a woman gets into a nightclub and there's the music blaring and there's dancing going on and a strange guy comes up to her and he starts dancing with her and he starts touching her? She doesn't say a thing. The music, the things, the environment that she's in have completely changed the way that she's acting now. She's not rational anymore. She's not thinking, what? who's this guy? This is a stranger. I don't know this guy. It's completely different. And this is how the devil works. He wants to put us in an environment surrounded by different music, different things that are going to confuse us and get us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And you know, the thing is, is that most of us here, we wouldn't even dream of, of listening to those horrible types of music, you know, rock and roll and heavy metal. We're not going to listen to those. Those are worldly music. We're committed Christians, right? But I know for me, my downfall was, as I told you in my testimony, is that I thought that as long as I put Christian words to the music, that it made it holy, and then all of a sudden it was good. But, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about lyrics, but we've spent the majority of that, the time talking about how the devil is deceiving us in the actual music part of a song. And so just because we put Christian words to a certain type of music doesn't mean that it makes it okay. It's still the devil's music. But now he's deceived you even more, because now he says, They'll listen to it because it's got Christian words to it. But he's still changing the way we view God. Yes? Just a quick observation from my own personal life. Mm -hmm. I've come to the point, I would rather listen to secular music if I am forced to, you know, for whatever right. reason. I would rather listen to secular music with the beat and everything than Christian because of that very fact. Yeah. It's taking supposedly the words. Yeah. Right. Well, and yeah, it does. And, you know, we as Christians are often criticized for being hypocrites, right? They say, well, you, you say one thing, but you live a different way. And, but we don't often think of that in the context of music. But it's true there, too, in that we're still using the world's music. We just put our words to it. And we think that now we're great Christians. And, I, and don't get me wrong, there are sincere people. I was sincere when I listened to that stuff. And there were beautiful songs and, and words to some of those songs that really did bless me. I think that God worked in spite of some of those things. But knowing what I know now and knowing how the devil is trying to deceive us, you know, I don't even want to go there. I just want to be on the Lord's side and, and not be considered a hypocrite by people that say, well, that's the same stuff we're listening to, you know? Yes. Yeah, sincerely wrong. Yeah. I don't mean that to be harsh. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's just a fact. Right. So when we allow these little things to take over our lives, then even if 
right. compromise on this principle, and then it goes to another. Absolutely, and, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit yesterday, and that many times we can start listening to Christian music that we think is good, um, but because the music sounds so similar to everything else, we can slowly start to justify the other music as well. And that happened to me. I thought, well, I can start listening to this inspirational music now. It's not necessarily Christian, but still inspiration. The words are okay. I mean, the music sounds the same. And then before I knew it, I was listening to everything again. It's just one compromise after another. And, and the devil knows that. That's why he does this. Um, you know, I had an interesting experience while I was actually putting these classes together several months ago. Um, I was writing about the time, remember I told you guys that I, that first time I went to that seminar, I boxed up all my CDs and put them in my closet and thought I had the victory, right? Well, I was writing about that in my class, and suddenly something hit me, and that was that I still had those CDs in my closet. I had completely forgotten about them. I didn't, and oh, I was so mortified. I thought, Lord, <laughs> oh my goodness, I still have these CDs, and I thought I had given them to you. You know, obviously, the Lord had given me the victory. I didn't even know they were in there. But I just felt really convicted. Go get those things out and throw them away because in, in moments of weakness, you know, I would have remembered and I would have gotten them back out. And so I actually I went in my closet and I'm searching everywhere because I'm like, I know they're in there. Where are they? And I'm searching and I'm searching and, uh, and I found them, a big box of about 100 of my old CDs. And I thought, oh my goodness. And so I'm looking through these CDs and it started to bring back all these memories, right? And most of them were Christian CDs, a lot of the Christian rock and, and contemporary Christian that I used to listen to. And so I thought, well, I need to throw these away. Now, this is just a few months ago, okay? So I thought, I know there's some good songs on some of these CDs, though. And if I, <laughs> and if I throw the whole CD away, I'm going to lose some of these good songs. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to put them in my computer, take off the, the songs I know are good, just quickly go through, then I'm going to throw them away. So this is what I decided to do. Wes was out of town. I'm home by myself, just me and my dog, and we're sitting there going through these CDs. But you know what was really strange is that to get to some of the good songs, I had to listen to portions of the not-so-good songs. And it was really, this is when it really hit me, that the things that I was studying and the things that I was going to share were really from the Lord. Because I started listening to these so-called Christian songs, and just the small little clips that I heard, immediately my mind went back. But you know where it went? It did not go to a time where I was strong with the Lord, listening to those songs, being drawn closer to God. It went back to my secular days when I used to listen to the other music that sounded exactly like the Christian music I had been listening to. And that was when it hit me, Lord, it's the same. It's exactly the same. The words are different, but I wasn't even paying attention to the words. I was just being taken back to that place. And man, I quickly just started throwing those things away. And so, Lord, I never want to do this again. Because as I started, you know, listening to more and more, I realized that immediately my flesh started to rise again, and I was craving that music. And you start to justify in your head, oh, it's not really bad, it's not this, it's not that. And then you say, Lord, what am I doing? I know what's right, I know it's, you know, the principles from your word. I got to get rid of this stuff, it's addicting. And, uh, and so it, I threw them away, so I'm never going to do this again. And, but it was a really good experience for me because I, I had that experience with the Lord, and he really spoke to me through that. Um, you know, we're here already, but, you know, when we come to the Lord, the Bible says that we become new creatures, right? Old things are passed away. All things are become new. 
um, that says that in 1 Corinthians 5, 17. And that means in everything, every aspect of our life, um, music included. He wants to make everything new, not just part of it, not just the words, but the whole thing, everything he wants to make new. Uh, Psalms 40, verses 1 through 3 says, And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. When I, I did my first CD, I was thinking of a title for it. And the Lord impressed upon my heart, sing a new song. Because for me, that was, was my experience with music. I had been listening to all this other music that was really just dragging me down spiritually. And now I had this new understanding of heavenly music, music that God wanted to use to draw me closer to him. And he spoke to me and said, use this godly music to now to reach other people. And, uh, and I knew that I wanted to call it Sing a New Song because this was the new song that the Lord had put in my heart. You know, it's clear that the devil wants to um, drown out the Holy Spirit's real desire for us. Uh, I think we see that all around us. You know, he wants to move our flesh instead of our spirit. He wants to cloud our minds. He wants to get us distracted from God's real purpose. Um, and so a lot of times what he does when it comes to music is he takes that old music that we used to listen to and he so-called so -called Christianizes it so that we'll listen to it. And he traps us that way. Um, you know, we think a lot of times, well, this music, it's evangelistic. It reaches out to those people that won't listen to the good stuff, right? But in reality, evangelism is supposed to give some people something different, right? And so our mistake many times is that we think that we can use the world's tactics, <laughs> the world's ideas to win people in the world. But that's not God's desire for us. Now, should we pay attention to culture and, and the times in which we live? Absolutely. We need to pay attention to those things, but not at the risk of compromising the, the biblical principles that we see uh, found here in the Word. You know, and again, although God created us to be emotional beings, emotions should never make our decisions for us, right? God wants our head to make our decisions, and then our emotions will follow. That's God's plans for us. Um, Another thing, just to kind of wrap this portion up, is many times, uh, I think I mentioned this once before, that music puts us on this roller coaster, right? When we listen to certain types of music, it's like we need this high, and we need higher and higher. And I know a lot of people, they, they, they live like the world during the week, and then they go to church, and they, they want their hyped-up praise music and their contemporary music and get them on the spiritual high, and they get all excited, and then they go home, and they crash. And it's like this all week long. Um, and this actually happened to my grandfather. You don't think of that happening to, to elderly people, but my, my grandfather was a godly, devout Pentecostal man. And um, he, he was a, a wonderful man. But the problem was is that for years, I mean, he was in church every time the doors were open. He was devoted. But for years, he would go to church. He would get his spiritual high. You know, he would be listening to the big hyped-up music and and speaking in tongues and doing all these things that would get him excited and get him spiritually high. But then he would come home and see reality all around him and he would get super, super depressed. And this happened for years, week after week. He would go to church, he would get up here on this high and then he would crash up and down, up and down. It wasn't something that was real or lasting. It was simply emotional. And sadly, my grandfather died of depression. And, you know, they... They try to tell us, well, he, it's Alzheimer's and these different things, but it never progressed. 
Um, it was, in my opinion, the man died of depression. And I see this happening to people all around us. They think that they're doing themselves good by listening to this type of music, by doing all these emotional, hyped-up things. But in reality, they're hurting themselves spiritually. God wants us to have a great experience with him all the time. But through something that's real, through something that, that's lasting. And, you know, my, my goal for this presentation is not to stand up here and tell you that I think all Christian contemporary music, all praise songs are bad. Because I, I don't believe that. I, I love many types of music still. But within the, the principles that we've learned today, you know, I, I'm not someone that believes that we only have to listen to hymns or songs that were written 100 years ago. Um, God creates creative beings still today. And I was talking with uh, you ladies yesterday about this, that God still gives us modern creative minds to be able to create beautiful music for the times that we live in. But within the principles that we've learned in this class, um, I, I'm not holier than thou because goodness knows the Lord is still working with me on this. I don't have it all together yet. I just have the principles. And I'm praying through it and praying that the Lord will show me more and more. And you know, since... I remember when I first was really convicted on this, I, I deleted, after I, I threw away those CDs, but, uh, well, actually before, I had deleted tons of songs on my iTunes um, that I had on there that I just knew weren't appropriate. But since that time, I've actually gone back and gotten rid of more as the Lord's convicted me. You know, and it isn't, isn't that the case in our spiritual life, no matter what we do? It's a process, right? And so when the Lord convicts us on something, right then we need to do what he asks us to do but that doesn't mean that we understand everything about it right then. And so over time, we need to not just say, okay, I had that conviction, I've, did, I've done this, and now I don't have to do anything else. No, God wants to continue to help us to grow in our understanding and to grow closer and closer to him. And I believe in this area of music, not that God's going to make me fanatical because I pray that I will stay balanced in this area, but that God will show me more and more of his principles in music and how he wants to give me this beautiful heavenly music that will draw me closer to him. I, I don't think it stops here. It's a process. And, and I think that's the case with all of us. Um, I want to read one last quote to you from Advent Home. She says, Music, when not abused, is a great blessing. But when it's put to a wrong use, it's a terrible curse. It excites but does not impart that strength and courage which the Christian can find only at the throne of grace, while humbly making known his wants, and with strong cries and tears, pleading for heavenly strength to be fortified against the powerful temptations of the evil one. Satan is leading the young captive. Oh, what can I say to lead them to break his power of infatuation? He is a skillful charmer, luring them on to perdition. And she says this in the context of music. You know, Sister White was a great musician. She loved music. I got a lot of my um, presentation, actually, a lot of the quotes from a book. Um, it's a compilation of hers all about music and evangelism, music and worship. And, and um, she has a lot to say about music. There were, their home was a musical home. They loved it. But she had a lot of warnings on music as well, especially with young people, because she knew that young people would easily be deceived by the devil's lies when it came to music. But I like what she says, music when not abused is a great blessing. And that's what I want to emphasize, is not necessarily just the bad music that's out there and what we can't listen to, but that when we listen to, sing, play music that truly honors God and uplifts Him in word and in song, 
then it is a great blessing, not just to us, but to those around us.